This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms uh, from MPB Think Radio. This is a show all about you and your rights. And I'm Liz Gill with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz. I hope you're doing well. And, uh, you know, I often ask my classes, um, do you like group projects? And, and the response is very, most, well, many times they'll say no, but, but oftentimes I think they give a better response, which is it depends on him, who's in the group, really. And, you know, um, and that's, that's true for lawyers, too, because I, the rest, I tell them the rest of your career is a group project. And you're not just going to work with other lawyers, but you're going to work with great advisors and, and, and experts in other professions. Like Medora Justice, our, our guest today, she is a certified divorce an, an, uh, analyst. And lots of lawyers will work with her um, when their clients are being divorced. So we're great to welcome Medora to our show. And uh, Medora, uh, we're thrilled to have you. And would you please tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you got into uh, divorce financial planning? Sure, sure. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate being here today. Um, so as far as my background, I am from Mississippi. I went to Ole Miss. Um, I finished up my MBA from Ole Miss in 2002. And that is when I started in the financial services industry. Um, so initially, I worked with financial advisors across the Southeast as a uh, product specialist and re retirement income specialist. And then in 2014, I shifted my role to being a financial advisor with Hardy Reid, which is a registered investment advisory firm in North Mississippi. Um, so the work that I do with Hardy Reed is working with the individuals and families that we serve in their financial planning and investment management. Um, and that really, through that work, um, and also through seeing personal friends who were going through a divorce, um, is really what led me to seek the specialized education and focus um, of financial planning through divorce and through the divorce process. And so. Um, that's when I became a certified divorce financial analyst um, and created my company Pivot that really just focuses on financial planning, um, kind of pre, during, and post-divorce, um, and drills down on the specific issues um, that need to be addressed when you are um, thinking about a divorce, when you are in the um, working through property division, and then when you transition out of divorce and you need to kind of know what to do next um, as you, you're creating kind of your new, your new normal and your new financial identity. Yeah, you know, a lot of people have said that uh, divorce is a lot like, like that. And, and really, truthfully, I do, my thing was really estate planning, and I can see the similarities because really at the end of the day, the marriage then is over and it's time to divide the property at the, at the end of someone's life. It's time to divide the property and think about, you know, children and how they're going to be taken care of, et cetera. So I think they're very similar, but how does one become a certified divorce financial analyst? Yeah. 
Um, so to become a, a CDFA, uh, really you have to have a background in financial planning, um, accounting, or legal work. Um, so you have uh, some requirements there. And then it's going through a specialized training program to become skilled in analyzing and providing expertise related to financial issues specific to divorce. Well, so now, what what exactly? When you how do you how do you engage then with people? Uh, you know, usually I think of people going to a lawyer to start uh, you know the divorce process. So when when at what point would they come to you? Um, really, it depends on the the situation um, and and kind of the scope of the engagement. Um, really, my role as a CDFA is to work as part of a divorce team. Um, and what I do is assist in organizing and analyzing the client's financial picture or the couple's financial picture um, and drilling down on what their needs are today um, and what their needs will be in the future. Um, and through that work, um, the goal is to help facilitate a suitable divorce settlement. Um, Sometimes I'm working through an attorney, sometimes not. Sometimes I'm an advocate for one individual, and sometimes I'm an ad, a dual advocate for the couple and just working in uh, an education capacity. Um, I always tell people to think of their attorney as the strategist. You know, so they are the experts in the law, and they're hired to represent your overall interest when it comes to child custody and financial matters. Um, I really support the attorney in providing in-depth financial analysis, um, and I educate the client and the divorce team on the different financial and tax implications of different settlement options or scenarios. I wonder who Bill and Melinda Gates' CDFA are. <laughs> Goodness gracious. This morning we are talking about divorce and the financial planning around that. So if you have questions about alimony, child support, or who gets the retirement account, how that is divided up, we have a financial planner on the show today. You can send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. Well, this is, it's such a great show to have because I really do think people don't often think about the team that they need to work with a lot of times in, in situations like divorce. Divorce, obviously, an unfortunate situation, as, as is death, you know, and so having experts like Medora helping um, uh, you know, assist them is very important. But so at what point does someone decide, Lenore, that they're going to come to someone like you uh, and, and use your services? I mean, I, you know, someone with, with uh, you know, a smaller set of assets probably won't do that. But who comes to you, though? Well, so, you know, when you think about divorce, just as you mentioned, you know, with death, it is a significant life transition, um, and it's, it's a significant life transition for an individual, and it is also for a family unit. Um, and there's so many different things um, that individual and that family's juggling from social, emotional, legal, family considerations. Um, really, it's overwhelming, um, particularly when you've got an individual who's kind of what I refer to as the, the non-CFO 
spouse, the one that, that hasn't traditionally or, or historically handled the finances in the marriage. Um, and so my goal and the role that I serve is to really be the financial co-pilot for the client um, and for the, the divorce team. And our, the result tends to be where that client or that couple with, with the additional education can have more productive conversations. Um, and so hopefully they can facilitate a, a settlement option that addresses each individual's uh, personal needs and priorities um, and kind of come out of that divorce transition um, with better outcomes for them individually as well as for the family um, and help maintain some of those family relationships. Do, do you find that the people that come to you are are more likely to reach out? They're not like really contentious than divorces, but more uh, collaborative type, type of divorces. Are they typically the ones that would come to you? I do. I do. So we're really, um, the work that I do can support the divorce team um, is when there's a focus on resolution more than a focus on winning. Um, and where everybody's coming to the table in good faith to try to come up with an agreement um, and, and is being forthcoming with what the financial assets are and what the information is. Um, I rely on having that information provided to me. Um, and so the analysis and the work that I can do is, is dependent on the quality of the information that I can be provided. Um, so where you have a contentious situation or where people are trying to hide assets or shift assets around and they're not being um, forthcoming, you know, that does make it challenging on the quality of, you know, the, the work product that I can produce uh, in my role. And it also, I guess, you know, you're not the, the, the Mississippi is one of the two states that still has fault based grounds for divorce. Most most states just allow, um, you know, for the parties to decide or one party to decide they want to want to have a divorce and then start that process. But here, unless both parties agree, you got to have fault based grounds. So you would not necessarily while the people are dealing with fault to be working with them uh you know debbie bell has always advocated we move away from those fault-based grounds uh, she's you know you worked with debbie uh, so you're, you're you're working with people who now are at that point where they've decided they they are getting a divorce and they agree on that uh or they're past the fault fault-based issue um am i right about that correct correct that that's the situation that i find uh where i can be uh, most productive and add the most value. Um, and I, I enjoy that work. Um, so, you know, I tend to stay away where, where things are highly contentious. Um, there's a, there's more of that litigation, um, perspective to, to lean toward more the mediation and the collaborative work, um, that people are trying to do just to come up with a resolution, um, as you said, they, they've decided that they are moving forward with a divorce. Um, they need education and how to best do that from a financial perspective. Um, and so I'm there to, to support in that role and help them organize their financial picture so that good decisions can be made um, and everyone 
that that's party to it understands what they're agreeing to. I am not thinking of a divorce. Hear me, honey? <laughs> but, I, you know, before this show, I didn't even know there was a thing called a certified divorce financial analyst. So I'm so pleased that we're able to bring this education to everyone who's listening or who might need to tell it to someone. You can send us an email with your questions, legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're discussing the financial planning around a divorce. If the alphabetical soup of certified this and that has you confused, I'll tell you where you can learn what all the financial terms and such means next. You are listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. I'm Jen White with NPR. If you're fortunate enough to have collected a few classic cars over the years, here's a thought. Give them a new life by donating one or more to support this station. They'll be matched with interested buyers, collectors just like you who know a great car when they see one. You free up some space in the garage, the classic car gets a new home, and proceeds support this station. It's a win-win. Thanks in advance. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Not everyone has a chance to listen to our show live. If you have missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill. I'm here with... Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. This morning we're talking about financial planning around a divorce. With Madura Justice, certified financial planner, certified divorce financial analyst, and accredited investment fiduciary. Ms. Justice works, works with Hardy Reed, she mentioned earlier in the hour, and their website has a great resource for free. It's just a glossary of financial terms to help you learn the difference between a margin call and a market order. Their website is hardyreed.com slash resources slash glossary. And of course, I'll have that link in the show notes for this podcast. And it is great to have Madonna here with us, Liz. I'm, I, you know, I, I think it's really important information for people to realize that there, there's a lot going on uh, besides just the law when they're dealing with something like a divorce. But Madonna, during the break, um, we talked a little bit about the collaborative law movement and 
you said that um, that you know you've seen some of that, but Mississippi's a little bit behind. Would you tell us just quickly about how that what collaborative law is all about and collaborative divorce? Sure, sure. So, um, Richard, you know, there every divorce has different routes that it can take and determining how to um, move forward, whether that's to self-negotiate the divorce um, on one end of the spectrum or to um, to settle that divorce through litigation. Um, and then you've got other alternative uh, dispute resolutions of mediation, arbitration, um, and collaborative divorce, is, collaborative divorce law um, is another route to be able to take um, in facilitating a settlement. Um, with collaborative divorce, um, which is not in Mississippi today, but other states have, have implemented that process, it is a focus on a divorce team and everyone coming to the, coming to the table committed to finding um, or resolving uh, that divorce without having to go to court, without lit litigation. Um, so you have not only attorneys um, and mediation specialists, but you have, you know, uh, uh, family therapists, financial planners, and other parties so that a number of different perspectives and dis disciplines can go into creating um, an outcome. And again, a key with collaborative divorce is that everybody is in agreement that they won't use the courts to come up uh, to resolve the issue. I think that's, you know, one of the things that people worry about is that, and that's why collaborative divorce has developed in other states. I know in South Carolina, it was just taking hold when I, when I left that state. Um, and, you know, the, the, the issue really is that lawyers will make more money if it goes to court. Uh, and so, you know, when you get lawyers that agree, hey, if I take, if I take your collaborative divorce, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I won't be the lawyer if, it, if this doesn't work out. I won't take it to litigation. You know, everybody then in that process is trying to reach a resolution so it won't go to court because nobody's going to benefit from uh, that litigation. And, and that would be, I think, a, a good outcome. And so when people think, well, how can I pay somebody like Medora? The, the answer is, you know, you, if you're not paying for litigation, it's going to cost you a lot less ultimately. And you can make it take advantage and use that money for other resources like financial planning. And so I think, and I hope we, we do pick up um, collaborative divorce uh, as, as it takes hold in, in this state, because I think it's a great thing. So could you tell us a little bit about um, financial issues facing parties in a divorce, the things that you deal with, you know, uh, the pieces that you deal with in a divorce? Sure. So, you know, really, you know, whether you think of it this way or not, the marriage contract is, is essentially a financial contract or a business contract. So when a marriage is terminated and divorced, there is a process to unwind the financials. The number one issue that I see with those going through a divorce or considering a divorce really is a lack of understanding and clarity about their financial picture. Um, I mentioned before kind of the, the non-CFO spouse in the relationship. A lot of times one person, um, male or female, um, handles the, fa the family's finances. 
Um, and the other person is not educated and aware um, of what that really looks like. So I spent a good bit of my time helping clients gather documents, put information in a format that they can understand, um, and that when they do sit down with their attorney can be analyzed um, and reviewed uh, in, in, in trying to create uh, property divi property division um, decisions. So, you know, I spend a lot of my time, again, helping create that clear, organized picture, reviewing documents, um, and really getting the granular detail about different assets um, in a format that can, can play a role um, in and understanding what the client situation is today as well as into the future. Um, the other thing that I spent a good bit of time doing is being the agent of reality. Um, when, you have, when you have the household income that now needs to support two different families, um, there is a lot of work and decisions that need to be made in how to make that transition. Um, so, uh, understanding the client's priorities, understanding their needs and their wants. Um, that allows them to be better equipped to make decisions on how to move forward. Um, and, and those different things play a big part in what is a workable settlement strategy um, for that individual or for that family. I really like agent of reality. It sounds like an Avenger title. Uh, and, you know, one of the things uh, that I think is important when you, you deal with a professional like Medora is that you're, you're prepared before you go, right? So, yeah, I, I mean, it definitely would help you, Medora, if, the, if everyone has got the information they need in that first meeting. So what financial information should they gather to, to, to get your advice on a property division, for example? Sure. So um, when you think about the financial categories of divorce, um, we really can address it in four different areas that need to be, you know, every attorney is going to need, everyone needs to have prepared um, kind of in review of, of that divorce. So, you know, first it's important to identify what's separate property versus marital property. Um, so identifying and valuing any property that maybe existed before the date of marriage um, is important to distinguish any gifts or inheritances are important to, to separate. Um, and then, you know, the, one of the challenge that comes with separate property is sometimes separate property can become marital property. Um, so, you know, understanding the different uh, holding time periods and the contribution um, and the use of that property is important in being able to determine whether it's separate or marital property. Uh, the second category really is assets and debts. Um, so assets and liabilities, you know, what's the value of the different assets? What's the balance sheet? Um, third, personal property. So what are things that may have value, um, whether monetary or sentimental? Uh, and then income and expenses. So alimony and spousal support, um, child support are all based 
off of income and expenses of each spouse. You know, what's the ability, what's the need for support and what's the ability to pay support. So understanding the different sources of income uh, that are coming into that household as well as how those sources of income and those expenses will change um, over time is important kind of as part of a lifestyle analysis and to base uh, some of the support decisions on. We have a phone call that we're going to go to. It's in Jackson. It's Daryl. Thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms today. Daryl, what's your comment or question? Uh, yes, I had a general question. Uh, it concerns the, the divorce decree. Uh, I was divorced over 30 years ago before all these other options uh, that were available. And my question is, once I have a finalized divorce decree, it, there's no way that the former spouse can uh, try to come back and uh, make a claim against my uh, retirement annuity. Is that correct? That, that typically is correct. Uh, but uh, there are ways, and this is something that you'd have to talk to a, uh, an actual you know, divorce attorney who dealt with your, your case or someone else that you would hire, to go through and look at your particular situation because there are opportunities to modify uh, divorce. You 30 years, typically, you, you won't have to worry about it. Uh, you know, but if, for example, uh, child support, alimony, uh, can be modified. Um, visitation can be modified if there's you know a change in circumstances that would warrant uh, modification. Um, but that that's uh, that's something that someone would have to bring to court and prove. Um, so I don't think you know, after 30 years, I think you're probably fine. That would be my guess. But I would I would, you know I can't give you specific advice. But I would I would certainly feel pretty comfortable saying after 30 years you should be fine. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Daryl. We're glad that you've called in. You can email us your questions. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're talking with a certified divorce financial analyst about financial planning and divorce. Where can you hear a little bit more about divorce and money? I'll tell you next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. 
We hope that you subscribe to our podcast. So many different podcasting platforms. I happen to like Podcast Addict. I'm not Java Chapman. I'm not sure what his favorite podcasting platform is. What do you use? I use just the Apple Podcast on my iPhone. Okay, well you're you're an Apple guy. Apple guys have their own podcast. Yeah, yeah. You've got an Apple phone, and it's already on yours. My husband has a Stitcher, and I can't figure out Stitcher. So anyway, on mine, you take you touch the plus. It takes you to the page to search for podcasts. You can can type in the name of the show. Ours is in legal terms, and it brings up our show. You're able to touch the photo and subscribe. That way I'm notified when any new episodes are loaded up. This morning we're talking about financial planning surrounding a divorce with our guest, Medora Justice, certified financial planner, certified divorce financial analyst, and accredited investment fiduciary. Like that term fiduciary. It's we're talking about financial planning around a divorce. Now, Money Talks, this is a while back. Money Talks uh, show broadcasts live Tuesdays at 9 a.m. just before in legal terms broadcast live and they have a podcast about divorce and taxes but that was from november 7th 2017 so if we haven't scared medora justice off maybe we'll invite her on money talks in the near future yeah, it's, it's interesting how these show, those shows do overlap. Uh, uh, money talks will overlap with ours, uh, you know, in many places because there are you know financial aspects certainly to to legal questions, and this is one where they they're really intertwined. And so it's great to have Medora on the show today. Um, and you know, Medora, I know you work with with lawyers, but it, let's say a, a divorcee couple says, "Hey, we don't need a lawyer. We both agree. You know, uh, we we just need to figure out how to divide our stuff." Uh, we're going to make this as simple as possible. And, and could they just come to you directly without a, a lawyer involved? Of course. Um, so versus litigation support, I also work as what's called a financial neutral, um, which, you know, may or may not include an attorney. But in that financial neutral uh, capacity, I work with a divorcing couple Um, usually as part of their mediation process to help them create a strategy that addresses the needs and the priorities of each person and produce as optimal of an outcome um, as possible for each person. So I'm impartial. I'm not trying to advocate for one one side or the other side. I'm really serving um, as a dual advocate Um, to highlight and help them work through the different financial issues that each one of them um, may be subject to. And to, again, um, really be in an education role, um, help make sure that the assets are valued properly um, and and work through different options for property division um, so that um, one, most important, they understand the consequences of those different choices or options. Um, and they and we can all work together to um, come up with a solution that is fair from a settlement standpoint, but also organized in a way to help them uh, post-divorce achieve their needs and their goals. So, you know, maybe one individual um, has uh, liquidity needs, and so let's make sure that we're organizing the assets so that that individual is 
receiving assets that can be used for liquidity or for cash flow versus a retirement account where uh, they're going to be more limited on tapping into those funds. And, and so, yeah, you also specialize in tax considerations, which I'm very happy to hear, and, and divorce. And because a lot of a lot of lawyers will will have a, a disclaimer on their their advice regarding a, a divorce that says, "I don't, I'm not giving tax advice." But taxes are a really important part of divorce. So, can you talk a little bit about what you do in terms of tax advice and uh, planning for for couples as well? Sure, sure. So, I will also, Richard, have that disclaimer that in my role, I am familiar with the legal issues around divorce. And I also am very well versed in tax issues around divorce, but I'm not a lawyer and I'm not an accountant or CPA. So I may educate clients and work through issues with clients, but I don't give legal advice and I don't give tax advice. Um, But I do spend a good bit of my time talking through different tax consequences. Um, And really, taxes can be one of the most overlooked aspects of a settlement. Um, And it it pays to have the attention to detail and the granular data um, for the balance sheet um, so that you can review things like cost basis or holding period or the tax treatment of different types of assets and analyze the tax return um, to understand any tax carry forwards or tax credits that may have um, economic value and, and, and play a role in the property settlement. Um, so two things that from, for every situation that I work in that really every couple uh, needs to make sure they have at a very minimum is understanding the cost basis and the holding period um, for different assets. So, you know, cost basis um, or basis of property is the amount that would be deducted from sale proceeds when calculating capital gains or losses. Um, And so any gain when you sell an asset is subject to capital gains taxes. Um, So if a client is receiving an asset that they're going to need to liquidate in the near future, um, it's important for them to understand the value of that asset after having to pay taxes on it. Um, Holding period also plays a a role in that. So um, how long have they had that asset and would that gain be treated as a capital gain or a short-term gain? There are a number of different special tax rules that apply in divorce. You know, so for instance, uh, divorcing couples are always trying to make decisions about what to do with the marital home. And a lot of times that home um, is sold. So for anyone, when you sell a primary residence, you can exclude $250,000 of gain as an individual and a married couple can exclude $500,000 worth of that capital gain. Um, if they have lived there as their primary residence for for two of the last five years. Um, So when someone divorces, their adjustments to that ownership period and that use period um, as it relates to divorce. So it's important to be well-versed in those if selling the marital home is um, an issue that they're dealing with. 
And, that, and those are all so important. You're absolutely right. I mean, one of the things that I, I try to impart on my students about taxes is, and, and I actually learned this from a student, this, this concept, is that taxes are a variable cost in a way. I mean, because you can, you can affect the tax situation by who ends up in a divorce with, with that property. If they're in a lower bracket, their tax consequences are going to be lower. So uh, they actually are going to get more benefit from it than the other spouse. And so, you know, if we think about taxes as variable costs when we're planning as, as you're doing, I mean, it makes it, it makes it, uh, you know, a better economic situation for both parties. Um, you know, the, Liz, we, we got an email, uh, it sounds like from someone who was talking about, um, he, he got a, a bad deal, it seems like, but he talked about, um, he had a threat that if he didn't sign his agreement, he would have rehabilitative alimony, which rehabilitative alimony is just a, uh, a concept that instead of paying alimony for someone's life until they until they die or remarry, which is kind of the old concept of alimony, rehabilitative alimony would be we're going to pay somebody for a period of time that it takes them to get a degree so they can start to, to earn their own uh, money. So maybe we, we have it for five years. Right. And so um, the email that we got uh, uh, was about, you know, he, he either had to take a bad deal or, or pay rehabilitative alimony. I always kid that I, I was married once before. I'm very happily married now, but I was married once before. And in my divorce, we split everything right down the middle. She got the assets and I got the liabilities. You know, so I think, I think people do come out of divorces uh, not happy because they don't get a chance to work with somebody like Medora who actually will help them. Um, so uh, let, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, you, you mentioned the taxes, and I think that's really important. But, uh, and I know we're going to have to take a break in a minute, Liz, but what about retirement plans? How do, how do we divide up retirement plans? And you, you have are also an expert in retirement plan analysis. So what are the complexities, I should say, of, of retirement plans? Sure. So, you know, the retirement plan tends to be one of the biggest assets that um, a family uh, can own along with the house. And so the first step is really identifying what type of retirement plan that it is. Um, different types of retirement plans are governed differently, regulated differently. Um, and, and have their own nuances or special considerations. Um, so two of the big uh, categories of retirement plans are in, uh, provided by an employer or defined contribution versus defined benefit plans. Um, so the defined contribution plan is something like your 401k or profit sharing plan that you have through your employer. Um, and these plans are um, governed or regulated through ERISA law. Uh, the nice thing about a defined contribution plan, they tend to be easy to value. Um, and this is because with the defined contribution plan or 401k, um, the employee has their own account, their own account value, and they are taking the investment risk. Um, so you're receiving a statement on a monthly or a quarterly basis and at any at any point in time, you can pull up your account and see what the value of that account is. Um, and so really to divide this type of asset, um, ERISA law requires what's called a qualified domestic relations order or court order. Um, and the, they're also, you know, one of the, one of the 
areas where I really spend a lot of time working, people assume that just because you can divide that 401k that you're allowed to be able to roll it over into an IRA, which most times that can be the case. But I always try to uh, make sure people are aware that they need to review their companies um, and their plans, plan document or plan summary, um, which really the plan is subject to and that outlines um, all of the different alternatives that an alternate payee might have in being able to um, roll out uh, their portion of that account um, pursuant of a divorce. So um, you really never want to assume that every single plan is treated the same way and that you have the same options with every plan because really each company's plan um, can be different. Um, and then on the other hand, you've got a defined uh, the defined me, benefit. Sorry, you've got a defined benefit plan. Um, and those are a little bit more difficult, Richard. Um, that is really where the employer assumes the invest investment risk. Um, and it's not where the individual has, you know, an account and an account value um, that can necessarily be checked every single day. It is where the the money is pulled in the plan um, and provides a retirement income. So we're thinking more about um, a pension that someone uh, would, would have. And really a pension can be a sizable portion of a marital estate. Um, and so understanding how to value that pension, um, and there are multiple methods for valuing a pension, and the different assumptions that are being used in that valuation are important um, in kind of giving it a value um, that can be used as part of the property division and then determining how to receive that, that value from the uh, pension that's being split is, um, is that gonna be in an account, you know, with other assets and an account value or is that gonna be part of the income stream and what would that income stream look like um, and when could that income stream be taken. So, you know, really defined benefit plans is an area that needs to be um, worked through so it is appropriately handled, um, you know, when there is a divorce. And then kind of outside of employer-sponsored plans, you've got IRAs and simple IRAs or SEPs that small business owners may have. Um, just in general, um, and we, we take for granted that that everybody always understands and knows the different um, kind of rules and regulation or requirements of retirement plans. Um, but a lot of times people don't realize you can't access those plans until you're 59 and a half. Um, and then analyzing what the tax treatment might be. Um, you can have a 401k that has both um, pre-tax dollars in it and post-tax dollars in it. So, um, you know, is it is it a uh, kind of that pre-tax traditional approach to retirement or um, have people elected uh, the, uh, the Roth uh, tax treatment where it's after-tax dollars and it's gonna be taxed differently um, once you do get to retirement? Now, a lot of corporations and businesses have gone away from the defined benefit programs. They don't have pensions, but that is what the state of Mississippi school employees, government employees, that is their retirement program, isn't it, uh, Ms. Uh, Justice? 
It is. So, Liz, you're 100% right. Um, more and more um, employees aren't, um, they don't have that pension option. Companies have shifted away from, from that defined benefit plan. Um, but all of your state employees, federal employees, um, that is a big part of their retirement picture. We'll have just a, go ahead, Richard. Go ahead, Liz. This is really complicated. In fact, in, in the graduate tax program I went to, we called deferred compensation, which is what you're talking about, these retirement plans. We called it deferred graduation uh, because it was such a complicated class. And, it, and so this really does require an expert to work with you uh, when you're dealing with those issues. And, and we're glad Medora's here. Have you enjoyed learning from Miss Justice? I'll tell you how you can contact her and her firm next. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center and host of Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking. Join us as we explore issues that relate to you and your family, from mental health obstacles and family interactions to handling life disruptions. Whatever the issue, let's try to figure it out together. You can listen live Tuesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Thank you for being a part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. That's one way. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. That's two ways. Or you could listen to the podcast. Oh, it's also on YouTube, the MPB Think Radio channel. I'm Liz Gill, here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. At 11 a.m. Central on Tuesdays, following our over-the-air broadcast, you can hear Southern Remedy, relatively speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. We're talking with Medora Justice, certified financial planner, certified divorce financial analyst, and accredited investment fiduciary. We're talking about financial planning around a divorce. Now, read, I'm sorry, hardyread.com is the website where you can learn more about Miss Justice and her firm. They have an office in Tupelo and Oxford, and you can email them info at Hardy Reed, and that's H-A-R-D-Y-R-E-E-D dot com. Info at HardyReed.com. We have time for just one more phone call. Let's go to Snowflake and talk to Wesley. Wesley, thank you so much for calling in to In Legal Terms. What's your comment or question? I wanted to remind the girls that uh, when they're going through divorce, they can change their name then, and it's just about free. I'd say it is free. If it if they wait 
until weeks, months down the line, it, it could easily cost them anywhere from uh, $1,000 to $5,000. An interesting thing to know. Thank you, Wesley. We appreciate you sharing that with us. Well, you're full of emotion at the time, and you think you want to keep the same name as your, like, children. And so you don't think about it. And then as time goes on, you you say, why didn't I take my mother's maiden name or what, why I didn't do this or that? And, and just that hesitation can cost you a small fortune. So that was my point. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for that point. And, you know, and, um, you know, there's a lot involved, obviously. And, and one of the things that we haven't talked to Medora about is, is uh, kind of what I think of as another defined benefit plan to some extent, which is Social Security. Um, you know, people don't really think of it that way, but people, you, you pay in and then you get a set amount as you retire. How does divorce impact Social Security uh, and retirement income? Yeah, so um, really... Retirement planning um, is a, an important consideration and, and starting the work of, of thinking about retirement when you're going through a divorce um, is important. And so how does divorce change Social Security? Um, and this is, this is where it depends on how long you've been married. Um, so divorcing couples who were married for 10 years or longer are still able to claim Social Security based on their spousal benefit. Um, if that provides them a higher dollar amount, a higher income stream than claiming on their own work record. Um, so a spousal benefit with social security is calculated as half of the higher earners full retirement age social security amount. Um, so if that number is higher than the amount of social security that would be paid out based on and uh, someone else, uh, someone's own work record, um, then of course they can use that higher amount. But with divorce, it's important to make sure, or, or you're only allowed to continue and uh, claim that spousal benefit if the marriage lasted for 10 years or longer. So it can be an important consideration when, when you know, maybe you're in year nine and, and you're considering whether you should move forward with the divorce or not. Might want to kind of time it a little bit differently. I think all three of Tom Cruise's divorces happened at year nine. <laughs> but I don't, <laughs> I don't know that they were concerned about Social Security, but other financial things I'm sure had that effect. Thank you so much, Medora Justice, Certified Financial Planner with Hardy Reed. We appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank y'all. I had a great time, and I, I, uh, I appreciate the opportunity, and I appreciate the audience. I, I think you uh, let us know a lot of information we didn't have before. That's going to wrap us up for today's In Legal Terms. Thank you, Michelle McAdoo. Thank you, Java Chapman, for helping us with our show, and for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law. We're glad he hadn't gone to the beach for his summer vacation yet. I am Liz Gill. Join us next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 